0: quick update here on this episode we actually recorded this before we found out that Northwestern's starting quarterback this season was going to be hunter johnson and not ryan holinsky so all of our assumptions are made with ryan holinsky as the starter uh, so we're going to say the name ryan holinsky a lot even though hunter johnson is the starter the uh former five star of the state of indiana clemson transfer at northwestern is going to be the week one starter for northwestern against michigan state not meaning holinsky won't play this year but he's the starter so um Yeah, we don't have that update, and a couple injuries for the Wildcats as well that we didn't get a chance to mention, Uh, so Cam Porter running back and Zachary Frank's offensive lineman are done for the season, Cam Porter being out is huge, that absolutely crushes their run game in my opinion, I don't know if it affects my win-loss total, I think they've got a pretty easy schedule, and we'll get to that later on this episode, but yeah, that is what we have to say about Northwestern, so we're sorry that it's not totally up-to-date with our information, but we recorded it before in advance and we had it ready so please enjoy the rest of today's episode and thank you for understanding hello and welcome to the first and 10 podcast i'm your host patrick feltz i'm here in indianapolis indiana recording at 10:30 p.m. eastern time let's go back in time though 6 hours in the past It's 4.30 p.m. on the beautiful Hawaiian Islands where we're meeting Reed Murray. Reed is out in Nashville. He's on vacation, but he's making a little bit of time to do half a podcast with us this week. So joining us from Hawaii, it's Reed Murray. What's going on, Reed?
1: You know, Patrick, it doesn't matter how far you go, how far you stray from the mainland. I'm out here in Maui um, on the beautiful beaches, and it always comes back to the Midwest talking about the Northwestern Wildcats. Um, but I'm doing terrific. If you're watching some YouTube, you can see I've got on my Ohio state Hawaiian shirt, obviously not talking Ohio state today, but had to keep it on brand, both with Hawaii and my big 10 team affiliation. So I had to bring this one, uh, in my luggage and pull it out for the show.
0: Now, one, one thing, the Ohio state Hawaiian shirt is obviously a, a relic we use when Ohio state wins a game. Ohio State has not played a game since January, but we can say they got a win recently by uh, getting a new player on campus, uh, a certain quarterback who you may or may not have heard of by the name of Quinn Ewers, uh, who reclassified, and he is now on campus. We didn't get a chance to talk about this at all, and I know we're previewing Northwestern Illinois today, but real quickly, just because this is big news and we, we haven't gotten a chance to talk about it, Reed, uh, what do you think about Quinn Ewers getting on campus at Ohio State a year ahead of time?
1: Um, it's an interesting one. Um, obviously there's something new that's happening in college football. He, he went because of, um, name, image, likeness, uh, deals. He's having an, an endorsement deal. I forget the company, but he actually, the, the company he was signing his first NIL deal with, uh, was announced today. Um, and by the way, on YouTube, I'm sorry if, if you're watching this here, my, my camera doesn't know whether to focus on the beach in the background or me. So you may just see me turn into this, uh, dark shadow now and then, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, this is something new coming to college football. Guys who are offered these NIL contracts, they can't sign them in high school. Um, so guys like Quinn Ewers who are getting offered huge endorsements deal, endorsement deals may start going to college more often. It's happened here. It can definitely happen with other players. Um, it's an interesting move. Um, I would have to imagine he's going to redshirt because obviously he's not going to be the starting quarterback coming in. You know, he, he's, he he said to arrive later this week, you're not going to come in August 10th and then be the starter um, September 4th. So I would hope he'd redshirt, save that year of eligibility, learn a lot under Ryan Day and CJ Stroud. Um, I still think CJ Stroud is the guy, at least for year one, um, post-Justin Fields. But in terms of Quinn Ewers, I, I just hope his development um, isn't affected by this in a negative way. I don't think it will be because it's hard to become worse while being coached by, in my opinion, Um, the best head coach in the nation for a quarterback. Um, So I hope it works out for him. I hope he becomes the next Buckeye great and um, all the best for him in terms of his NIL deals and his play on the field.
0: Yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing much of him this year, even though he's on campus. So probably, you know, play sparringly maybe in like an Akron game or something in in the garbage time when they're up by 40 points or, or something like that. But um yeah. I don't think we'll see much of him. I think CJ Stroud's the guy, not much to worry about there, but the question is going to 2022 is yours that good? Because everybody who, who's watched this guy play has said he's the best quarterback prospect to come out of Texas since Vince Young. So, um, a lot to watch there obviously. And I'm sure we will be a very Quinn focused podcast in 2022 and 23 and 24. So, uh, keep an eye out for that in the future. Uh, a little bit of a future first and 10 glimpse, uh, And some people do call us uh, the first in Buckeye podcast, I'm sure, because of how much we talk about Ohio State, even on episodes that are completely unrelated to Ohio State. And speaking of a topic mostly unrelated to Ohio State, the Northwestern Wildcats, the team we're previewing here in the first half of the episode. So Northwestern a season ago, first off, I just want to say our season preview last year. I called it. I called it. I called it. I called it. Just getting this out there one last time, probably not the last time, but the last time it's relevant for me to say I called it. I said Northwestern was going to win the West after they went three and nine. They did. They won the West and they hung with and led Ohio State for a good chunk of the Big Ten Championship game. Go to the Citrus Bowl and beat the Auburn Tigers. They lose two games in the season. They lose to Michigan State in a huge upset in East Lansing. And they lose, of course, to the Buckeyes in the Big Ten title game. So a big season last year. Uh, For the Wildcats, Uh, some key losses, though, especially on the defensive side of the football and what was a great defense that last year uh, had had some great players, uh, including guys who got drafted in the NFL, guys who have a shot on NFL rosters, um, and then the offense led by Peyton Ramsey, who's also gone. So some key losses um, on both sides of the ball and the coaching staff, and we'll talk about that too. A lot of changes this year for Northwestern, but there's still some guys returning who are going to make a big impact namely Brandon Joseph Reed. What's your overall take on the Wildcats going into 2021?
1: Obviously the biggest storyline this season is new defensive coordinator, Jim O'Neill, uh, taking over. Um, he has said that he wants to have, uh, he doesn't want to completely reinvent um, the Northwest, Northwestern defensive system. He says he wants to take what's worked for them in the past and make a few tweaks, um, change it up a little bit, but mainly, um, mainly just put a twist on what's already worked. He doesn't want to reinvent the wheel, um, I think that's huge. Obviously, Northwestern, a team that's been known for their defensive success, even in seasons where their offense, um, or shouldn't say even most seasons, their offense isn't really all that, um, but they've still, like we saw last year and two years before, they've still known how to turn it on and how to win games. They've been at two Big Ten championships in the last three years, so their defense has been a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, this year, losing lots of talent on defense and a longtime defensive coordinator, so it's going to be a tough task, but I like what Jim O'Neill's, I like his philosophy. Um, he seems like he's quite knowledgeable with the game of football. He loves the game of football. Um, so I'm pretty positive about this hire, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, and it's hard not to be, you know, under Pat Fitzgerald's leadership. I think, you know, losing a legend, a defensive coordinator, not easy, but you do have to think that at some point the defense is going to be just, just kind of the same. Uh, to, to some extent just because Pat Fitzgerald's still around he's a defensive coach he was a linebacker at Northwestern so that's I think is going to stay mostly the same but the bigger issue for me on defense is just a year-to-year issue I think coaching is going to be fine I am not worried about that at all even though they're losing a legend the issue for me is guys like Patty Fisher aren't around guys like Greg Newsom aren't around um Patty Fisher was the heart and soul of that defense for what four or five years um excellent excellent player um and I don't think he got drafted. He might've been a seventh round pick, but uh, Greg Newsom was a first round pick to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so, so they do lose some talent on the defensive side of the ball. And they, and really Patty Fisher was, was the heart and soul of that football team, that, that football team, everybody, you know, what did they call him on, the, on ESPN? The fight in Reese Davis's really, they were the fight in Patty Fisher's because he, he was just encapsulated everything about that team, the grit, the tenacity, uh they weren't the toughest or the they weren't the most athletic, they weren't the fastest, they weren't the strongest, but damn it, they were the toughest. Um and that was their identity. So I think that'll stay intact though, because that has been what we've we've known from a Northwestern defense year in and year out. Um the bigger question for me, you're too Mike Bajakian. If I if I'm getting that name right, I've always had trouble with uh pronunciations think on you got show. It. Um I think I did. Okay, okay, we'll we'll roll with it. Um year two under him as their offensive coordinator. Uh, New quarterback for a second year, for a third straight year. Uh, Had a, a carousel at quarterback in 2019, 2020. It was Peyton Ramsey, the transfer from IU. And this year it's looking to be Ryan Holinski, the South Carolina transfer who, you know, had an up and down career at South Carolina, some high highs, like a win over Georgia, but some very low lows because, well, it's South Carolina. So Reed, what's your overall view on Holinski as a quarterback? I think he, I think he's, up and down from, from what I've seen of him high highs and low lows is how I would explain it. Um, The issue for him for me would be, can you find consistency? Because that's what Peyton Ramsey was for the wildcats. He was a consistent, solid starter, except for the Michigan state game. he wasn't very good, but every other game of the season, he was consistent. He was solid. He was reliable. That's what I think Northwestern needs on the offensive side of the football read. What do you think Ryan Holinsky needs to do to figure that out?
1: Yeah. I like that take from you there. Um, and you know, it's the, the, quarterback job is not set right now. It is still between Helinski and Hunter Johnson, but yeah, I, I mean, I it go- is
0: open, but Halinsky yeah. is the clubhouse leader. From seems to be the qualified candidate
1: here. Yeah. Yeah. I would start him. He's more experienced. He's looked better in his years of experience. Um, and I think that this Northwestern team, uh, I don't know, that's actually a tough call, but I think in the offensive side of the ball, this Northwestern team might be better than those South Carolina teams, uh, that he's played with in the past. Um, you know, I think with Helinski, you're right. High highs, low lows. But I think when you look at the schedule that Northwestern's going to be playing, I think if he has his low lows, the defense can still be there to save them. Maybe, well, actually, maybe next year certainly, when everyone has grown into that role, um, I think he'd be the perfect quarterback. I think when he when he has his low lows, it still may not be that big of a deal, um, and Northwestern still be, may be able to pull wins out because. They've, like we've said, they've not been known to be a high scoring um, team to win games and shootouts. They've been a grinded out, low scoring type team, just like I. About last episode, they are that kind of team. So I think even if he has the bad games we've seen in the past, it's, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I'm more concerned about his high highs that you were talking about. You look at his resume, um, and he doesn't have a ton of wins at South Carolina because. They're South Carolina, and especially in the 2019 season when he was the starter throughout the year, um, they had a pretty rough go, and they lost quite a few games. But even in losses, they lost to Alabama. He threw 324 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, completed 36 out of 57 passes. That's pretty impressive against an Alabama defense that's never bad. They had a win against Kentucky earlier in the year. This is the year that Kentucky 2019 uh, team went to the Citrus Bowl, and they beat Penn State 15 for 27, 140 yards, 24 to 7 win. Against Georgia, he was solid there as well, 15 for 20, 116 yards, one touchdown. He's had some solid games, and even in a loss against Clemson, he picked up over 100 yards. um, And, you know, this is Clemson we're talking about, so I wouldn't expect him to have great numbers there. But he's proven that he can go up against big teams like Wisconsin's, Ohio State's, Penn State's, uh, and get the job done. So I think that it's a really exciting prospect being brought to this team to have, you know, in, in Northwestern's best years, they've been able to beat the bad teams and beat the mediocre teams, um, but they've never really been able to get over the hump of the elite in the big 10. I think they could start pulling off upsets with Helensky as a quarterback. He's that kind of guy, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Uh, and you talk about that quarterback position, obviously still is an open competition to, to an extent, even if we think Helensky almost certainly going to be the guy. Hunter Johnson is the other person competing for the job, a former five-star prospect out of Brownsburg high school in Brownsburg, Indiana. I uh, went to Clemson, kind of funny. The two quarterbacks, one's a Clemson guy, one's a South Carolina guy, a little house divided right there, but uh, Hunter Johnson's the other guy. Didn't get a ton of playing time, had some issues in 2019. He wasn't great uh, that season either. So I don't think we'll be seeing much Hunter Johnson uh, by my estimation, but uh, he's the other option at quarterback for the Wildcats. So let's
1: Yeah, talk with to Hunter Johnson, it's funny uh, like you said, they have they might have a little bit of a house divided um, because of that kind yeah. South Carolina thing. But um, you know, these two guys they both get along really well. They're roommates, and you know, and that is really funny. Two guys in a quarterback battle being roommates, getting along super well. Um, and Helinski actually said that if he had to have any teammate uh, look after his kid or babysit his kid, it would be Johnston, it would be Johnston. So they clearly they get along well. But I think even that quote just shows you how Helinski used Johnson. He kind of sees him as a uh, as a guy he can mentor or a guy who's um, not quite like a little brother because I believe Johnson is older. But uh, I, in terms of football and in terms of their relationship, I think that's how Halinsky might view it. And uh, like I said, I got to go with Helensky. He's the more experienced quarterback. Um, in my opinion, he's the better quarterback. Just And, of course, we have a limited sample size for Johnson. He hasn't had a ton of college experience under his belt. But I think Helensky has looked better in his time at the FBS level. And Helinski has even said, he said he is preparing. He was asked about whether or not um, he's going to be the starting quarterback against Michigan State. He says, not sure, but he's preparing uh, as if he's going to be. I think it's a good mentality for him to have, and I think he will be the guy.
0: Talk about that game against Michigan State. Now that you mention it, uh, I think he'll be the guy too, uh, and we're going to be under the assumption of that. So let's go into the schedule. Um, That's what we do in these previews is we break down the schedule game by game, talk about wins, losses. What's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen uh, here? Uh, we're about a month out from the season starting, less than a month at this point. So Friday night game, Michigan State, uh, team we previewed two episodes ago. September 3rd, 9 p.m. East in Evanston. So a season ago, the number eight Northwestern Wildcats lost somehow, 29-20 to to a terrible Michigan State side. Can Northwestern avenge this loss? I don't think they will. Uh, I think Northwestern is going to be a heavy favorite going into this game. I think people are going to sleep on Michigan state again. I think some weird stuff is going to happen in this game. We talked about this in our Michigan state preview. Weird stuff always happens when Northwestern plays Michigan state. I am going to take MSU here. Uh, and even though I'm not super duper high on MSU this season, I think that this is going to be their one solid win, uh, at least start the year. So, uh, I'm taking Spartans.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And we already said this in our Michigan State preview, but um, I like Michigan State here too. Obviously, we talked about the weirdness of this matchup and how there's always, always seems to be the team who's not supposed to win that ends up winning. Um, but I think there's more of a reason behind, more of a reason than just the kind of voodoo of this game as to why Michigan State will win, in my opinion, because obviously we, we talked about this Northwestern defense. They've got a lot to replace eight uh starters from last season huge contributors to this team's success all gone new defensive coordinator so clearly a, not quite a new system but new coach several new players um I think Jim O'Neill's defense is really going to come together by the end of the year and I think he's going to be the coach there for a while I think he's going to be uh, successful at the college level he had trouble coaching in the NFL he's the he was the defensive coordinator with the Browns from 2014 to 2015. Um, and we know how good or bad those Browns were. And then the 49ers when they were two and 14, in 2016, he was their defense coordinator as well. So he has struggled in his coaching career. I think when he gets to the FBS level, um, he's going to do well. Pat Fitzgerald was really keen on bringing him in. Um, so, and I mean, I, I trust Pat Fitzgerald, especially when it comes to mm-hmm. defense, that's his forte. Mm-hmm. So I think that in terms of coaching, like you said, I think coaching should be fine. Um, and I think that later on in his career, um, he will prove to be um a smart uh hire for Northwestern. And he will really be um I think he's just gonna be a successful coach there. But early on this, I think throughout the season they might struggle, but especially early on. Um not facing a super explosive offense in Michigan State, Peyton Thorne likely to be the quarterback there. Um, inexperienced quarterback, um, guy who hasn't really been a star um in the few starts or the few appearances he got last season. But I think, like I said, only three returning starters to this defense could struggle early mm-hmm. on. I think this could be and a pretty that ugly game. was something else I forward. wanted to talk
0: about. So another that's reason, a big reason, I got yeah, another reason why I've got Michigan State winning this game and Northwestern struggling a little bit early in some of, the, some of these contests, 39%. They return 39% of their starters. That is the lowest number in the entire FBS. Uh, Northwestern returns the least production from last season – Of any team in the nation that
1: is tough Fucking defense or total team
0: total wow total they return the least production of any team in the country at the fbs level that's going to hurt them early especially with a lot of teams bringing back super seniors and super super seniors fifth and sixth year players uh with the covid rules the free covid year everybody's getting uh that is going to hurt northwestern especially i think in conference play early on so uh, they could struggle in some of these games that Luckily, I think their schedule is pretty easy early. Uh, they do have some games that I think would be winnable with a more experienced group that might go the wrong way, but we'll see. So let's go into week two. Uh, the same inexperienced group is going to get a shot to really uh, get some good playing time and experience in an FCS game. Week two against my beloved Indiana State Sycamores, the pride of Terre Haute, Indiana, uh city much of my family comes from. I uh, love Terre Haute. The Sycamores Home Stadium, also Memorial Stadium, uh across the street from my grandma's house in Terre Haute. So uh shout out to the family. Uh love Terre Haute, love the trees, go trees. Uh I won't be picking the trees, unfortunately. Uh I'm taking the Sycamores to lose big here. But first matchup in program history uh against the Wildcats for them in Evanston. So uh shout out to the trees. Uh just just kind of glad to get to talk about Indiana State, a team I was really looking forward to talking about. Uh, in FCS play, but they canceled their FCS season. Um, Indiana state's actually going to have a pretty good team by FCS standards They're in the Missouri Valley, uh, a very good conference in the FCS, really the the big 10 of the FCS, if you will, maybe even the SEC, depending on how you look at it. Um, Indiana state was primed for a really good season last year on the spring. They canceled their season. I think that means they're going to be even better in the fall. Their players are going to be rested. They won't have the grind of a spring season on top of a fall season with very little rest in between. Uh, so as far as FCS teams go, I think Indiana State's going to be pretty good. But it's still an FCS team against a Big Ten team. They're not winning. They're not coming close.
1: Yeah, As much as I would love the prospect of FCS, Indiana State, taking down um, a Power 5 team, let's be real, it's not happening. Uh, more I think like, more like chopping a down
0: a Power 5 team. This is the trees <laughs> we're talking about, Reed.
1: Let's just mark this one as a W in Northwestern schedule and move on.
0: <laughs> Shout-out to Larry Bird. Shout-out to uh, – couple of my uncles, grandpa, uh, a lot of tree grads in my family. Week three, we've got the one on one Northwestern Wildcats at the Duke Blue Devils. Duke went two and nine last season. Uh, last matchup, though, 2018, 21 7, Duke won against Northwestern. Duke was terrible last year. I don't see him getting better this year. Obviously, both of these teams are going to have production issues, uh, but Northwestern is just more talented. They're better coached. Yeah, I uh, I don't see Duke coming close. I think Duke is going to be one of the worst teams in the Power 5 this year. Just, uh, I just don't like them. I just don't think they're very good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I want to mark this one as a loss for Northwestern just because um, it's early in the season and they've had weird games like this before. But I just don't think Duke is good enough. Um, I think if this was another mm-hmm. team, I think this, if this was like maybe Boston College or something like well, that. Boston College is going to be legitimately
0: good. If this were like a, a mid-level ACC, if this was like a pit. Or, yeah, this was
1: or Georgia awake. Tech maybe yeah um, Georgia Tech even Florida State honestly I, I would mm-hmm. I think this would be more of a conversation be yeah, you're right Duke um, unless they really blow our minds I don't think they're going to be much of a threat even for a Northwestern team with a new coach and several new starters on defense I got to go with the Wildcats in this one as well
0: yeah and Cutcliffe the head coach at Duke David Cutcliffe he's been around forever obviously but you know maybe it's the end of the road for him kind of seems like they they've uh treaded out the tires a little bit a very rough campaign uh last season for the blue devils maybe uh a a change could could be on the way we'll see uh should be an an interesting campaign for them so week four uh they get the ohio bobcats at home ohio only played three games last year they were two and one uh head coach frank solich retired uh just a couple weeks ago for medical reasons who was a very storied head coach um won a lot of games, never won the Mac though. Uh, But I saw, I'm looking it up right now. I I was talking to a friend of mine who goes to OU, guy by the name of Jack Gleckler, shout out to Jack. Um, I believe in Frank Solich's first season as the head coach of uh, the Northwestern, or of the Ohio Bobcats, they played Northwestern in his very first game. And this was going to, People were thinking this is going to be Solich's last year, and it was going to be a fun little return to that. Northwestern won the game by a lot, but Ohio turned it around. Ohio went from a terrible program to a very respectable program, the most consistent program in the MAC under Frank Solich. New head coach though, so they're not the same. Uh, We'll see what happens. But this is people like, oh, it's kind of full circle. Like this is going to be Solich's first game and his last first game. People people thought, but he retired before the season, so we didn't get a chance for for that to happen. I think Ohio is going to be pretty good this year. Uh, they, are pretty good every year. Um, they're, they're always a a very consistent program, like I said, but losing Frank Solich that close to the start of the season, obviously a great head coach, uh, that's tough. So I like Northwestern here. Um, and although I think Northwestern could struggle some early, I don't think they're going to look great in these first four games. I still think that they win uh, a lot in these first four games, uh, just because the schedule is easy. Um, to be, to be quite honest with you. So, yeah, Frank Solich after 16 years is gone. I think it'll take more than a few weeks for them to be able to, to be up to the standard under a new head coach to be able to hang with the Big Ten team. I've got Northwestern bake here.
1: Yeah, Patrick, I love the, all the little nuggets of information you have about these small schools that <laughs> Northwestern is playing. Um, keep it up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Ohio, obviously they've become a respectful program. They've been pretty much every season you see them in a bowl game and they often win those bowl games. So respectable team, but I, again, I think Northwestern, they're just stronger. I think they're just better and um, most are all aspects here. So I got to go with Northwestern. Another good tune-up game for, uh, and they're out of conference.
0: Yeah. Uh, another small team uh, that I might have a couple nuggets on that ne- Nebraska or Northwestern. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the NU bowl. It's Northwestern and Nebraska. Uh, little old Huskers uh, hosting the Northwestern Wildcats last year, 2020, 21-13, to 13, a Northwestern victory. Uh, NU versus NU, always a fun game. Who gets to keep NU this year? I'm saying it's probably Northwestern. I don't think Nebraska's going to be very good. But this could also be a slip-up game for the Wildcats. I do have them winning, though, in Lincoln. I just think they're, they're just more talented. Both teams lose a ton. But I like Northwestern's coaching staff a lot more. I think in a game like this where – you know they're both you know trying to get their feet wet in a in a Big 10 season early conference battle division division game i think talent wise they are going to be fairly even just looking at stars and rankings and such but i think northwestern just outclasses them with coaching that is why i am going to take the wildcats to 4 and 1 even though i don't think they are going to be that good but I've got them at four and one anyway, and I think they could very well be five and zero because I think they're better than Michigan State, but I don't think they're going to beat Michigan State. What do you think, Reed?
1: Yeah, I like what you're saying about this one. Um, and in last last episode, I did not pull many punches against Nebraska, um, and I do think if there ever was a game that would make me look stupid for the things I said about Nebraska, it'd be this one because again, early in the uh, defensive coordinator career or tenure um, of Jim O'Neill so they could catch Northwestern um, in an in, in, in unfavorable position and end up winning this game when in my opinion they're not a better team but at the end of the day you look at it I totally agree Northwestern's coaching is way better I think that when you compare Fitzgerald to Frost it's really an unfair comparison Fitzgerald is in my opinion the clear better head coach um, I, I just like the talent like you said the talent's fairly even but i think northwestern has the edge in just about everywhere except for the secondary but other than that i think northwestern is just better all around gotta go northwestern here again this is a game where i think i could be made to look a little bit foolish about nebraska but again Mm -hmm. i think northwestern does the job it'll be a close game should be within three to seven points but i northwestern is a better team
0: yeah i agreed on all on all fronts there um so next week, uh, we've both got them at 4-1. and one. Rutgers Scarlet Knights head to Evanston October 16th. So Rutgers last year, obviously, we, we've talked about them a bunch. 3-6, uh, and six, which is an improvement in conference play. Uh, I think if they played a non-conference schedule, they probably would have ended up in a bowl game. But uh, obviously, that didn't happen. So Rutgers in town. I think Rutgers can win this game. I definitely think Rutgers can win this game but I'm going to pick Northwestern. I think I'm a year away. I'm a year or two away from saying that Rutgers could for sure go on the road against a very solid big 10 West team and get it done. Yep. I'm a year or two away from that. Not this year, but I think we see signs from Rutgers that show that they are legit this year, more signs than we did last year, because we saw plenty of signs last year, but I think this is not quite the year for Rutgers. Talk to me in 2023.
1: You know, Pat, um, I agree with what you're saying. I think Rutgers definitely on the rise. We've been talking about this since last season, becoming a better program. But are they ready to go on the road to an overcast 12 o'clock kickoff in Evanston, Illinois, and get the job do it, done?
0: Could they do it on a rainy morning in Evanston? That's the question. Which, by the way, uh, on Hawaiian we're time,
1: 11, uh, Reed, 11 Reed Central
0: is currently in Wisconsin. Hawaii. Reed's in Hawaii right now, like I just said. Um, that's a 6 a.m. kick in Hawaii, by the way.
1: Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, if I was in Hawaii for that game, I would still be watching. That's – I love – there's just something about the aesthetic that Ryan Field gives. I don't know. It's, it's a funny place because it's not one of the – it's definitely not one of the best stadiums in terms of home field advantage. We talked about this. If you want to go check out our home field advantages episode – um, you can hear all we have to say. I rank Northwestern last in the Big Ten in terms of who has the best home field advantage. But there's just something about the aesthetic of the real grass field uh, and the purple and white paint on that real grass field. It gets all, the grass gets all choppy and... Uh, muddy. A lot of mud. It definitely gets muddy. Um, the crowd isn't very full, but there's something about that overcast um, 11 p.m. Central or 11 a.m. Central uh, game at Northwestern that just really reminds me of why I love the sport.
0: It just means more. That is Big Ten football. <laughs> that is Big Ten football, but yeah, Rutgers.
1: It wouldn't be an episode about Northwestern if we didn't sit and talk about the about – the, uh, No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And alternate at Ryan Field.
0: Yeah, so we're, what, halfway through the season, and we've got them at five and one, which – you know, going yeah. into this episode, I wasn't expecting to have them that good just because I, I, I think they they lose a lot. But really favorable schedule early. But this is where it starts to get difficult. So at Michigan, Michigan on the road on October 23rd, I don't think they win this one. I think this is where the train stops. We've got them at five and two after this. I think they're going to be about as good as Michigan in the grand scheme of things. But on the road... They're due for a loss. Winning in the big house is tough. I don't think this is going to be a, an attractive game. I think it's going to be an ugly game, as is going to be the case with a lot of Northwestern games every year. But uh, I think Michigan just wins it. Uh, looking, looking at how Michigan's schedule lines up, I think they're due for a win at this point in the schedule too. Northwestern's due for a loss. That's just kind of how it lines up. And I know that, that does sound like stupid logic, like how can you be due for a loss? But, you know, the, the train has to stop somewhere if you know what I mean. Uh, and I think, you know, a, a six game winning streak for Northwestern, that that is pushing it, especially a win at Michigan, the big house. I think Northwestern solid, but I don't think they're quite good enough to win on the road against Michigan at home. Maybe a different story, but, but I've got Michigan here.
1: This one's tough because I agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I totally agree. Both teams somewhat even. Michigan, we, we talked about them already. Neither of us are very high on them. But, of course, they're still Michigan. They still have talented players on the roster. Um, As much as we like to joke about Jim Harbaugh, I mean, he's still a competent coach. Um, And the crowd, I mean, there's going to be 100,000 people in the stadium. Not going to be an easy game. And in our Michigan preview, I did have Northwestern winning this one. Part of me wants to go back on that because, like you said, obviously it may sound a little, little silly and trivial to say that they're due for a loss, but I totally see what you're saying here. Um, and I it does seem unlikely that they would go six games unbeaten. I don't know, for consistency sake, I already had Northwestern winning this one. I think they totally can get it done. Will be hard, but let's just say that Cade McNamara lays an egg in this one as he totally could do. Um, he's not a perfect quarterback and he did kind of lay an egg against Penn State last season. So for consistency sake, I gotta go to Northwestern here. And and that's not the only reason I'm picking them. Um like, like you and I both said, this will be a hard game for Northwestern. Zero question about it. But the idea they can win this game is certainly within the realm of possibility, not mm-hmm. uh, an impossible task for the Wildcats at all. This one, I haven't marked this toss up. I'll give the dub to Northwestern just because. Yeah. So I've got, got them have at, a little bit of disagreement here.
0: I've got about five and two. You've got them at six and one. So going to the next game, October 30th, Minnesota golden Gophers are in town. I've got them winning this one though. I think Minnesota's defense is just going to be terrible. Um, they didn't play last season, canceled due to COVID, both programs. uh, Or actually, no, it was just Minnesota that had COVID issues. I believe Northwestern didn't have a positive case all season. uh, Or at least – That does early. sound right. And they or, they, they, did they didn't have a reported positive case well. all season, which was very impressive. Although they did have Pat one Fitzgerald,
1: week. I will note, we said this in the podcast before, Pat <laughs> Fitzgerald was, I think, the best mask-wearing coach in the Big Ten. Yeah, I no, think they, they did, did an excellent job. Once yeah,
0: not one reported case of COVID, which is very impressive. But, I mean, there was a week where they had, I think, like – a gigantic inactive list and it was, it looked fishy, but they didn't report a COVID case. So that's what I'm going to say. No reported COVID cases all season. That's the line. So uh, this game was canceled last year. Minnesota had COVID issues. Uh Gophers were three and four last year somehow, but the defense was just so terrible. I don't think it gets better this year. Obviously Mo Ibrahim, uh, an incredible running back and uh Tanner Morgan. We don't know what improvements are going to look like from him. We'll we'll see about that once we talk about Minnesota. So, um, I've got a win here for Northwestern though at home. I, th- I think they're just a better football team.
1: I think they're a better football team too. I do think this one could be close because when you look at the Northwestern defense, I think yeah, their I agree. Strength comes comes from the secondary, obviously Brandon Joseph, like AJ Hampton Jr. as well. Um, so obviously uh, the line, especially this linebacking unit, having lost Patty Fisher, um, we could see a drop off this season. I think we will see a drop off. Depends. Not sure how much, but I think there definitely will be one. So Mo Ibrahim definitely can have success in this game. But at the same time, I don't know, this Minnesota defense looks like one um, that Ryan Helensky can have a field day against. And I think even if this defense doesn't get the job done entirely, Northwestern as lacking as their offense was last season in comparison to the defense and comparison to other power five offenses, I think they can do just fine. Um, Actually, I think they can do much better than just fine against this Minnesota defense. Like you said, just a better team overall. Got to go Northwestern here. And so I think that puts me, I think that makes me have them at a seven game win streak.
0: Seven and one. You think that after Michigan state, they don't lose a game to this point. That is
1: oh. bold.
0: bold. I know it's bold, remember? but then you
1: look at the next three games, they got three tough, tough games coming up after that.
0: So let's look at the next three. Um, next yeah next four really honestly but uh depending on what we think illinois and we're higher in illinois than most people but that's neither here nor there we'll talk about that in the second half of the episode um so next week reed murray his seven and one northwestern wildcats you could very well be eight uh, no i feel i feel foolish by saying
1: say, just saying the seven and one northwestern wildcats <laughs> we look at the numbers seven and one and then compared to the team it feels wrong this but sometimes Jesus things feel schedule, wrong sometimes right. records don't line up with um, how good a team actually is? So we're just gonna roll seven to one Northwestern. I Wildcats. mean,
0: this is this is an easy schedule, just to be quite That's honest true. with you. Number one, they're I in mean, the they're West. Playing,
1: uh, they're they're number, playing. They're one. one, of their worst seasons. Um, and well, number one, Montana, just by being in the West, you get an easy schedule. Let's just yeah.
0: let's be clear: you get an easier schedule in the West than you do in the East. They dodge but, I mean, Indiana. They dodge Ohio State. They dodge Penn State.
1: They get but you Michigan look a down here. They yeah. get
0: Rutgers and they get Michigan State in a down year. That is huge.
1: Plus the out-of-conference, obviously, FCS team, um, a group of five team, and then, like you said, a in bad power country, five. worst power five team.
0: Not the um, worst. They're not going to be worse than Kansas. Oh,
1: that's true. I, I, I must have misheard you. One of the worst power five teams.
0: Among the worst. Yeah, they're going to be down there. Among the worst.
1: So, yeah, easy out-of-conference. Um, Nebraska in what I think will be one of the worst years in program history. Rutgers, no matter how good we think they're going to be, they're still Rutgers, and then Michigan in another year that's – really not going to be up to the standards plus Minnesota who, you know, I, like we said, not super high in them. You are right. Body pretty yeah. easy schedule for a big 10 team. Very
0: by big 10. This is, I think the easiest schedule in the big 10 personally.
1: Um, I think so too.
0: Because they dodged Ohio state and Indiana and Penn state. That is huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Like can't, can't even overstate that, but uh, I don't think this Northwestern team is great, but they have a really favorable schedule. So, uh, I've got them at what at this point? point, six and two, you've got them at seven and one. Uh, so they, get Iowa at home. Tuffy. I've got Iowa though. Last year, one point win for Northwestern Iowa choked it. I think Iowa gets revenge.
1: You know, this one, if they are seven and one, like I have them, even if they're six and two, they're going to be going into this game. They're going to be getting gassed up. In um, the media, as the team, they won the Big Ten West last season, going on a seven-game win streak or uh, five-game win streak, I guess, and having six total wins. Um, the media is going to be giving them lots of attention or at least a lot of attention compared to what Northwestern is used to getting. They'll certainly be ranked in the top 25 if they got either a 6-2 or 7-1 or record. Um, could be even ranked in the top 15. So they should be going into this game all riled up, all high on themselves, I think Iowa really comes in and shuts the door on them. I don't remember how big I had Iowa winning this one when we did our Iowa preview, but right now I'm saying Iowa wins big. I'm talking three, four possessions big. Um, And that's not something I think we're going to see from Iowa much this season, but I think here they'll be the better team, plus Northwestern I think might feel a little too, uh, I don't know, I, I think Northwestern might be biting off a little more than they can chew in this Iowa game. And I think I will really make some pay for it. Yeah. Uh,
0: entirely possible. Um, I, I think I will win this too. So I've got them at what? Uh, six and three, I believe is my number. And yeah, seven and, two three. seven and two. Okay. So next game, Wisconsin on the road. I think this is another loss for Northwestern. I, I think it's too yeah. straight. Um, <sighs> Camp Randall's tough. Camp Randall in November is tough. And, uh, I don't know what to say. I, I just think Wisconsin is the best team yeah. in the division. And if you are going to win the division, like I think Wisconsin's going to, you got to win a game like this where it's probably going to be uh, another team that's chasing after you trying to win the division. Uh, it's that's a, that's a big game for Wisconsin. I think they show up.
1: Yeah. As a team who is in prime position to win the West going up against the big 10 West, the reigning big 10 West champion, certainly they are going to be bringing their best to this game. Their A game will be there. Plus I'm going to have to look at their schedule again before I make this claim, but um, I can't really see Wisconsin losing at Camp Randall this season. Like I said, I'm going to have to look at that schedule again. Um, But I I think the going into this game, like I said, against the reigning big 10 West champion as the team who is known to win the big 10 West pretty much every year, they're expected to at the very least every year, Wisconsin Will be ready for this one, and they, in my opinion, are a clear better football team. Um, like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, Northwestern. I have them. At, I had them at seven and one. Like I said, I don't think that they're that as good of a team as you would expect from a seven and one team. I think Wisconsin will be every bit better than Northwestern. Um, Graham Mertz might not have this 300-yard, um, you know, 30 for 40, four touchdown, zero interception day because, of course. I like Northwestern secondary, but Northwestern – or Wisconsin, better football team should win the game here.
0: Absolutely agreed. Uh, so next game, the Friendly Confines, Wrigley Field, home of the Chicago Cubs, Northwestern, Purdue. This is going to be such a fun game. I'm so excited for this. Uh, so they head to the home of the Cubs, to the beautiful Wrigley Field, one of the most iconic parks in baseball. For the second time, I believe, in the last 10-ish years, they played Illinois there for the Hats.
1: I believe it was in 2010, Uh, so so
0: about 11 years ago at this point. Yeah, so a little over a decade since they've played there, but Wrigley Field, originally a football stadium. Uh, The Bears played there at one point. Very small field. It's going to be tight. Uh, And I don't know, to those of you who've been to Wrigley, been to a game there, you know that it's a compact park. The fans are right on top of it, and it's old, it's historic, it's beautiful. I love Wrigley. I think it's such a great ballpark and I'm, I'm so happy that the that it's it's still standing and it's going to be there for a long time after these renovations but uh this is going to be cool just to see another football game at wrigley field um maybe they'll paint uh, the marquee purple like they did last time but i think northwestern wins this game uh although the purdue offense on a a cramped kind of feel i mean correct me if i'm wrong was the field short i i i couldn't find anything on this
1: no it was a, it was a, a regulation football field. Size. it was regulation
0: I mean, size okay
1: the only the only difference was that uh they they couldn't um the offense could only go one way if you run it if you got a, it. you could score in either end zone you could only score in one end zone on offense <laughs> though they actually said i believe i i could be wrong but i'm about 90 percent sure this season you can score in either end zone they've got it sorted okay. out where the world is going to fit in perfectly
0: okay there was something um, really weird about the playing field i couldn't remember what it was that was it though yeah and i believe the 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 benches are in a really weird spot and some of the left field bleachers i think are so far away from the field and the dimensions are weird it's wonky there's not a whole I'm lot of baseball field the end zones. it's hit. a baseball field yeah it's it's Wrigley. i mean it's not something you can really and it's not a modern park that you can like kind of mold i mean yeah that, that that that's been in the ground for a century so um that's Wrigley. but um this is gonna be such a cool game i do like northwestern in this one though i've got them winning yeah, uh, this is going to be a fun game. I'm excited.
1: You know, I disagree, and I've noticed throughout these Big Ten West previews, um, I may be a little higher on Purdue than maybe I should be, but I have them winning quite a few games this season or getting quite a few upsets. I think Purdue pulls this one off, and I think Northwestern is smart to schedule the Wrigley game against a team like Purdue that isn't necessarily going to travel as well as uh, Wisconsin. Originally or originally got to be season. Wisconsin
0: last yeah, year. Last season
1: was, yeah. I but think they'll be, be surprised the
0: – I think Purdue is going to travel really well because there are a lot of I think they will travel well. Well, because – can I tell you another thing is that there are a ton of Purdue Cubs fans.
1: And also, you know, West Lafayette, not that far from Chicago. Very close. But still, I think the point stands, though, that even as well as Purdue might travel to this one, they're not going to travel as well as Wisconsin or Ohio State would um, just because they're not as big of a a team. But Mm -hmm. um, regardless, I like Purdue in this one. Um, I I just can't really explain – my being high on Purdue this year, other than they have an explosive offense, obviously in Northwestern, and we've talked about the defense is, is a question mark this season. Um, we both believe in the coach, but again, it's a question mark, um, replacing that many starters. I just think that, nor- that this is gonna be potentially, I think this will be the best passing offense um, that Northwestern faces this season. And they're not gonna face a strong passing offense until week 10 against or I guess it's week 11 against Wisconsin at least in my opinion they're not going to face a a tremendous passing attack so they're not going to have a ton of time um, to really prepare for what they're going to see from Purdue I think Purdue gives them something similar to what Wisconsin will give them the previous week and Northwestern's just not going to be ready for it I have them losing at Wrigley unfortunately I would love to see the home team win at Wrigley but gotta go Purdue here. Yeah,
0: uh, that's going to be fun regardless, though, seeing a football game at Wrigley Field. So last game of the year, um, the Illinois fighting Illini on the road. Is this the year the Illini bring the hat back to Champaign? Probably not. Uh, Yeah. But it's fun to imagine because I think Illinois is going to be better than most people do this year. Uh, I don't think they're good enough to win because not only is Northwestern just going to be a better football team, but they're also – they just own the series. They own Illinois. Like, they run the state. Um, Maybe that changes under Brett Bielema, but what we've seen from the last 10 years is utter dominance over Illinois by Northwestern. Even when Illinois was better than them in 2019 and Northwestern was terrible and won three games, they still beat them. They still beat them. I just don't see it happening. Uh, As much as I want to like Illinois, and I'm going to talk about how much I like Illinois in the next segment,
1: I'm going Northwestern. Yeah, um, it will be a good uh, segment. You and Jackson Jane, uh, Janes, is that right? Yes. yes, you got it. You and Jackson Janes here talk about Illinois soon. Um, excited to see to hear what you guys have to say. But like you said, um, as as good or as bad or or however however we see Illinois playing this year, and I think like you said, we're both higher on them than most people are. It's just I, I think in Northwestern has been known to not have many weird results. Obviously, they had a weird result against Illinois two years ago when they were the clear worst team and they won the game. But typically, in a good Northwestern season, they don't drop any games that they shouldn't be losing. Um, and I think this is just another example of it. Northwestern, better team, better coach, better talent the field. I don't see much of a reason why Illinois should get it done, unless the crowd plays a major impact here in Champaign, which I don't think it will have that big of an influence. I have to go with the Wildcats.
0: Yeah, hard not to. So I've got them, I think, at eight and four is my final record.
1: I have them at eight and four as well. All I right. Yeah. nine and pretty... three, four, four and eight. So I think it's a I think it's I... a very big uh, <laughs> I agree. Northwestern can have tons of different types of seasons this year. Cause of course that's a huge question mark that defense. And like I said, we both like the coaching, but you do have to consider he was the defensive coordinator of two terrible NFL teams in the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco. But they 49ers. were still NFL teams. That's true. So definitely a question mark um, in terms of the defensive product in the field. And of course, as much as we like Ryan Holinsky, he is a transfer coming into a new team. Um, so a question mark quarterback as well. So two aspects that we like for Northwestern, but definitely could turn out to hurt them. So that's why I have the floor so low is that there's just so many variables in this season that I think despite the easy schedule, they could still find a way to make it a rough year. But I think the schedule does help them a lot, like you said. Probably the easiest schedule in the Big Ten this season. I think eight and four. I think they're going to go to a bowl game against another eight and four team who will mm-hmm. be much better than them, and I think they're going to lose their bowl game this year. I agree. And of course, it's a it's a hard statement to make because we don't know who their bowl opponents yeah, going to be or where it's, it's going to be or anything. Far yet to be announced. I think they end
0: up in like a, a Gator if Bowl equivalent. Bowl I know with,
1: team with the same record. As I know them. the I, uh,
0: I know the Big Ten doesn't have the rights to the Gator Bowl anymore, but I think they end up in a Gator Bowl equivalent.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Music City Bowl, maybe Las Vegas. Yeah, something like that. um, That kind of game. Totally. Yeah, I mean, like we said, so many variables this season. I think it turns out well for Northwestern just because Pat Fitzgerald, I think he's a terrific coach and I trust who he's hiring here on defense. uh, And I trust that just because he has proven to be a sort of college football mastermind. So I don't mm-hmm. think he would make a poor hire for a position as important as the defensive coordinator. Um, and the schedule really benefits them. So I do feel somewhat high in Northwestern, although I do recognize there are lots of issues that need to be addressed in this team, mainly those eight missing starters on defense and, of course, have, returning the fewest starters in FBS. Certainly- I,
0: I don't know if it's starters. I think the number is... Returning
1: production. You, you just played the correct Production, I, I don't, I
0: don't yeah, production, production, like production, production. 39% just, of production yeah. returns. That is a terrible stat, but the schedule is very favorable. Should be an interesting year for the Wildcats, to say the least. So next up on first and 10, Reed has to get back to vacation. I've got a conversation with our good friend Jackson James at the Daily Illini I talk about Illinois football. We're proving the other side of the state, the other side of the Land of Lincoln Trophy, Illinois, coming up next in 1st and 10 after a quick break. Part 2 of our podcast here today, previewing Illinois and Northwestern. We're doing Illinois right here, right now. So we were originally going to try and get a guest for this to fill in. Reed could not make it, um, but it'll just be me here talking about the Fighting Illini. So let's talk about the Fighting Illini. Illinois, a season ago, was terrible, but the season before, they went bowling. So 2019 season, they went 6-7, and seven, lost in the Foster Farms Bowl 2, Uh, the university of california berkeley the bears of cal but then last season the wheels absolutely fell off this team was miserable they got crushed in that first game by wisconsin graham mertz put up a show even the strengths of the team that we thought were were almost a surefire uh, success you know their defensive backs in particular were abysmal everything about this team was terrible there was no life no energy and lovey smith the head coach was fired so A brand new start here for Illinois in 2021 under first-time Illini head coach Brett Bielema, who's been around the Big Ten, of course, played at Iowa. He's got the Tigerhawk tattoo and coached the Wisconsin Badgers for many years before he left to coach the Arkansas Razorbacks. And then he was an assistant in the NFL, Patriots, Giants. And now he's back as a head coach in college with Fighting Illini. So Illinois opens the season. Let's start just from the top. They play a Week 0 contest, originally supposed to be in Dublin, Ireland, at Aviva Stadium, one of Reed's favorite stadiums on the planet, against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, a team who uh, I'm not very high on. So I actually have Illinois winning this game, and I know a lot of people are low on Illinois. And I'm going to tell you why I'm not. So I think Brett Bielema raises the floor of this program by a ton, because I think coaching was a big issue for them. And originally I was kind of iffy on, like, "Eh, should Lovey Smith have been fired? Yes, Lovey Smith deserved to be fired. It sucks. Good guy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, Lovey Smith should have been fired. So that's exactly what happened. Levy Smith was fired. So looking at this Illinois team, while I don't think they're super duper talented on paper, they have a couple players I like. I think this year we have to see something from Brandon Peters, number one, uh, and a guy like Isaiah Williams. The position change I think could be could be interesting. You know, that's uh, a super athletic player, guy who I liked as a quarterback, as a runner, uh, not so much as a thrower. But switching to wide receiver, I think, could be a big, big move for Isaiah Williams, a.k.a. juice box here on this show. So, looking at Illinois, though, uh, why does Brett Bielema raise the floor? So, yeah, number one, coaching was a big issue last year. But number two, Bielema's style, a real smash-mouth football style, I think it suits well to the Big Ten West. And I think that it's going to get you into a lot of very close games, just because that's the tendency of that style of football. That's how Iowa plays. It's how Wisconsin plays. Or... Maybe they'll play differently this year with Mertz. We'll see. Um, that's how it is. So I, I think this is a good way for them to kind of keep up with the Joneses in the Big Ten West and, you know, raise the floor of this program. Maybe not have a super high ceiling like I think they did under, you know, you know maybe a different type of coach. But that's what Brett B. Lama does. He's going to raise your floor, and he's going to play a style of football that is – very similar to other Big Ten West schools. I mean, he coached at Wisconsin and played at Iowa. What do you expect, right? So that's what the Brett Bielema move means to me, and I think he is a good college coach. Don't get me wrong. I've heard nothing but good things with him. In my interactions with Coach Bielema, he's been good. I like him. Nice guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the move. And I do think they beat Nebraska. I think they're maybe not a more talented team than Nebraska, but I think they're better coached. I think they're going to be better disciplined. Um I just don't like Nebraska. I just don't think they're going to be that good. I think they're going to have a lot of issues this year, and I think it starts early. So week one, they are playing UTSA, who's actually going to be a pretty good team this year. I do think they take care of UTSA. I'm higher in Illinois than most. I know a lot of people think Illinois is going to be the worst team in the Big Ten, and they probably have them losing or at least coming close to losing this game. I don't think that happens. I think they'll beat UTSA. In week three, I think they beat Virginia, too. I don't love uh, what Virginia's looking like this year. Two years ago, obviously, this team was in the Orange Bowl, thanks to tie-ins. But, you know, nowadays, eh, eh, I'm a little flaky on them. It's a road game, so maybe I don't love it. But you have to be bold sometimes. That's what Reed, that's what Reed Murray says. And even though he's not here on this episode, I'm going to take a Reed Murrayism to heart. Sometimes you got to be bold. So, yeah, Illinois wins this game. Illinois also beats Maryland uh Maryland they're bound to drop a game like this on the road um this isn't a team who I would call particularly I think they've just got a lot of raw talent and while this could mean you know it all clicks by week four it also means it could be a mess early on and that's kind of what I'm leaning I think they figure it out by the end but I think early on they, they're gonna have a couple uh issues on the learning curve it's I think it'd be rough early. I've got Illinois starting four and zero. I think they lose at Purdue. Uh, I think they lose the Purdue Cannon to the Boilermakers in West Lafayette. Uh, Purdue, I think, is going to blitz the hell out of Brandon Peters, and I think they're going to make his life a living nightmare in this game. I also think David Bell has a crazy game. I think he goes for, you know, a, a big a big game. Unless, you know, the Illinois defensive backs, which I thought were the backbone of their team in two thousand nineteen. Not very good last season. Uh, I think we could see a game similar to the Graham Burtz opener against Illinois last year in this game. I think this is the game where Illinois crashes back down to earth. They get some boats in the top 25, and then everybody says, okay, welcome back, Illinois. They do beat Charlotte, though. Uh, so I've got Illinois at 5-1 and one, uh, at this point of the season, which sounds insane. And then they hit a very tough stretch in their schedule. So, yeah, after this, it gets hard. Wisconsin at home, they lose. Penn State on the road, they lose. These two games, I just don't see them having any shot of winning. I think Wisconsin is just is one of the most well-rounded teams in the country. The defense is going to be strong. The run game is going to be strong. The pass game should be strong if they really cater it to Graham Mertz's abilities. And they should because he's a very gifted quarterback. So I'm going to take Wisconsin there. I've got him at 5-2. And, and I'm going to take Penn State. It's Penn State at home against Illinois. I'm not going to overthink this one. Win. For Penn State, so five and three. Rutgers at home is interesting. So I am actually going to be taking Rutgers here. Um, even though I think Illinois, you know, should. You know what? No, no, I'm gonna go Illinois. Uh, Illinois is at home. They they gotta win this game, right? They've got. It. I think this is a pretty even contest. I think it's an even match. You know, just coaching talent. Actually. You're not coaching. We, we haven't seen Brett Bielema coach in college in a while. So maybe not coaching. I, I liked Shannon a lot last year. This is a tough game to call. Illinois did win this game by three last season. Um, I believe, though, the answer was they did not lead until the last kick of the game, if I remember correctly. They won it on a game winner. So it was an even contest last year. I'm not sure which way to go with this. I think Illinois... You know, losing back-to-back games, I don't see them losing. I Because th- I think this, this back half of the schedule is going to be rough for them. Spoiler alert to the rest of my predictions. If I pick Illinois to lose this game here to Rutgers, I pick Illinois to lose six straight to end the season and finish with a 5-7 and seven record. I think they're going to go bowling, which is bold, but sometimes you got to be bold. So I think Illinois wins this game. I think they lose at Minnesota. You know, Minnesota, who I don't think is going to be great, has to win a game like this. Another even contest, in my opinion. Maybe Minnesota's a little more talented, but I think Illinois is going to play above their talent level this season. But they're at home. I'm gonna take Minnesota. Iowa's better than Illinois. Let's be let's be frank. Uh Iowa does have their slip ups, but week eleven, Iowa's gonna have the ship righted by then. You've gotta expect that from them. That's just how they roll. And then the last week of the season, Northwestern Illinois, the hat game, Planet Lincoln trophy. Northwestern owns this series. Northwestern is not losing this game. They could play it on the moon. They could play it in Wrigley Field. They could play it in Ryan Field, Urbana-Champaign, wherever. doesn't matter where they play it. Northwestern's beating Illinois. I don't care how good the teams are, how bad the teams are. We saw it when Illinois went bowling in 2019, and Northwestern had, like, two wins. Northwestern still won. Northwestern just beats Illinois like a drum every single year. Like clockwork. It's clockwork. So that's my predictions for Illinois. I am very bullish on them. Thank you for listening to this episode, by the way. Uh, I know it's not the Illinois preview that we wanted to give you. We wanted to give you a better one. Uh, But it's just me. I'm the only person who can make it here. So
1: thank you so much for listening. And have a good rest of your day. Take care.